and you're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Hal. I'm Hal Hudson. Uh, I'm the student pastor here at Bent Tree. And if you don't know me, please come uh, say hi to me after the service. I'd love to get to know you and talk to you a little bit. Uh, as I hope all of you know um, from just our shepherding elder Dave saying, and then just, you know, the calendar and everything that today is December 31st and tomorrow starts a new year. Okay. So this is some very exciting times and we have some wonderful resources here at Bentry that uh, we want to offer you guys, our church family to join with us in. Okay. And then the first thing that we've been talking about a little bit the past couple of weeks is our Bible reading plan. So for the Bible reading plan, uh, if you could scan the QR code, I don't know how hard that is to throw that QR code up there right now, but we would love for you to scan that QR code. We'll send you a confirmation with a link to join us as we read through the Bible in a year. Here at Bentry, uh, our mission is that we will be growing together uh, to be more deep-rooted disciples. And a big part of that, if not the biggest part of that, is getting in God's word every single day. And I know reading the Bible can be daunting, especially the entire Bible. Uh, I know myself reading through was very scary. It's not too hard in Genesis. It's not that hard in Exodus, but Leviticus, oh man, it's, that's, I feel like what stumps everyone the first couple times when they're trying to read through the Bible, especially when you're doing it alone. It's very easy to just give up. You know what? I can just try again next year, or it's okay if I skip a day, I can pick it up tomorrow. And when you're doing it alone, you often don't make it. So we want to come together as a church family and read through God's word and grow together in God's word every single day. The second resource that we have and are encouraging all of you to join with us in for this upcoming year is the New City Catechism. Okay, and the New City Catechism is 52 questions and answers. And before I get too far ahead of myself, I know catechism is a scary word for a lot of people. They hear catechism, they're like, oh, whoa. I'm not Catholic. I don't want any part of that. Uh, But catechism, all it means is that it's, uh, it's a way through using questions and answers to articulate the core beliefs of Christianity. So it's not just for the Roman Catholics. It's not just for the Anglicans or the Presbyterians. It's for all Christians. We can utilize catechisms, utilize, utilize them, uh, to better be able to articulate the core Christian beliefs. So we would encourage all of you to walk through and try and memorize one question a year with us as a church. Uh, So those are our two big resources that we are trying to line up with the calendar year and walk through those as a church. So I would encourage you to come alongside us as a church family as we grow together to be deep-rooted disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, all of my exciting resources uh, that I hope you join us in for the year is over. Uh, So today we are looking at the book of Jeremiah. And I am so excited that after being here at Bent Tree for several years, I am finally picking a place to preach from. Okay, I've been bouncing around, kind of jumping in God's word here and there and coming to preach to you guys. But I'm going to be Lord willing for the next several times. However, often I'm given the opportunity to preach here at Bentry. I'll be coming to the book of Jeremiah and we'll be walking through uh, this book and seeing how this applies to us today. And now you're probably thinking that, 
are shepherding out a read from Jeremiah 31. And why would we start in Jeremiah 31 and not in Jeremiah 1? Uh, well, I have two reasons for doing this. The first is I don't want to be hiding where the book of Jeremiah is going. It is the whole book of Jeremiah is pointing towards the new covenant, the future restoration of not just Israel, but all nations through the coming of Jesus Christ and him coming to make a way for us to have a relationship with God. And the second reason is it fit really well going together off of our Songs of the Servant and our Christmas miniseries that we went through this past year. So here we are in Jeremiah 31. Uh, and just to help you all understand and have a little bit of structure leading us up to the point that we find ourselves in today, here's the structure of the book of Jeremiah and actually all of the prophets. Okay, so the prophets, I know I have kind of a lot of background information, but hang with me here. The prophets take up one third of the entire Bible. So not understanding them and being confused is kind of not great for one third of all of God's word to us. So if you want to write this down, this is the structure of Jeremiah and all the prophets. Okay, it always starts off with you, Israel and Judah, have broken the covenant by your repeated sin. Okay, so the people of Israel and the people of Judah have broken the covenant that they made with God. Okay, and then the second step that we find is no repentance, then judgment will fall upon you. Okay, and then the third step where we find ourselves today is there is hope for restoration, both for Israel and the nations. So don't worry, I know some of you are bummed that we're missing out on the call to repentance, and then the no repentance, so judgment is coming, but we'll come back and we'll highlight uh, those parts of the book of Jeremiah. But this is the theme and structure that we find ourselves in today, okay? And another term I think is important to define before we jump into our text is covenant, okay? And a covenant, and this is a very simple definition, is a promise of commitment between two parties, Okay, so a covenant is a promise of commitment between two parties. And now, I know covenant seems also like a big word to many of us, but a fair amount of us are married in here, and if you aren't married, you've probably witnessed a marriage and know someone who is married, or perhaps you've been to a wedding, and often at a wedding, they'll make, uh, the bride and groom will make a covenant with each other, where they will uh, promise to love each other through sickness, through good times, through bad times, and they will love each other throughout their life, okay? And uh, what we see in the Old Testament, God makes a covenant with Abraham. And in God's covenant for Abraham, he promises that he will take care of Abraham, he will provide him with wealth, and he'll provide him with a lot of children, and he will bless through Abraham all the nations, and that covenant is then reiterated and re-promised to Isaac and then to Jacob and then to the entire nation of Israel through Moses where the covenant is defined. And in the old covenant, we see that there's a lot of rules for the people of Israel to follow. Okay, often we think of the Ten Commandments, but there was a lot more, like 600 more rules that they had to follow to keep up their covenant and Continue in this relationship with the Lord. And here in Jeremiah, 
we are at the point and we're to the point to where the people have broken their covenant with the Lord. They've been called out for breaking the covenant. They've been called to repentance and they have rejected and still not repented. Judgment is looming. Judgment is about to come upon the nation of Israel. The Babylonians are at the gates and the people still are not repenting. But what we find, where we find ourselves today is that part that's giving hope that amidst the judgment, amidst the destruction that's about to come, Jeremiah paints this picture of hope for those that are faithful and the remnant that still follow the Lord within the city of Jerusalem. They are giving the picture of hope that it's about to get really bad, but there's goodness that's about to follow. And I know in many of our lives, we have experienced hard times, okay? And uh, each of us, it's hard to articulate and say, hey, here's, we all have our own individual hard times, our own destruction that has come through, whether that's family drama, losing a job, losing loved ones, whatever your hard, difficult trials that you have been through, it gets hard. And often we're wondering, where's the hope? Do we have hope? And what is hope is a big question for us. And now, we're in Colorado. If you've been here for a couple years, uh, a couple years ago, you'll remember there was a big forest fire, the biggest that Colorado has seen. And it destroyed houses, it destroyed towns, and it destroyed so much of the beautiful national forest and some of the national park. And amidst this terrible destruction, there's still hope. So I have this picture here, and this is the spring after the wildfire went through in Colorado, and you can see all the death and destruction. But in the middle, you see this beautiful stream, this flowing, moving water, which moving water uh, is living water. So living water going through the middle of this death and destruction, and there's new life. So in the book of Jeremiah, what we're about to uncover and walk through together is looking at this hope this hope of new life and that new life is Christ. And I didn't mean to put it in, but it seemed very fitting as I was crafting and getting ready for my text. I want to highlight the New City Catechism question one. Okay, and the question, question one is, what is our hope in life and death? And the answer is that we are not our own, but belong, body and soul, both in life and death to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So in this, our lives, this sin-filled world, when we face hard times and whatever destruction is coming through your life, we have hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. And the people of Judah that live in the city of Jerusalem, destruction is coming. It's imminent. But they are given this picture of hope, this coming of Jesus, which we know and we just, we just spent this Christmas season celebrating the arrival of Jesus and all that he's done in our lives And we have hope in Christ. So, before I jump into our text, would you please bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. I pray just that you will fill our hearts and just prepare us to hear what you have to say to us. I pray that we will, um, as we walk through Jeremiah, that we will see the word that you sent to the people of Judah. And that we will find the truth that is meant for us, Lord, and 
that you will have that speak to our heart. And in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now it's time to start preaching. Uh, Here we are, Jeremiah 31, if we would follow along. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Sorry, I went too far. So, uh, in this covenant that we see will be different. Okay, it's not like the first one that God made with Abraham because that covenant was broken. Okay, it's a covenant, an agreement between two parties. They need to both uphold their end of the, the deal. And the people of Israel did not uphold. They didn't follow God. They just had to follow God and trust him and that he would be their God. And they rejected God. They turned away from God and they followed their man-made idols. And the covenant was broken. In Jeremiah 11.10, it describes it as, They have turned back to their iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear my words. They have gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant that I made with their fathers. The prophet Jeremiah describes Israel and Judah as if they were an unfaithful wife who even though God is faithful to them and is always there and is loving and caring for them, uh, the nation of Israel and Judah continually left and walked away, turned their backs on God and they rejected God again and again and again. So what we're seeing here in the first two verses is that the old covenant isn't working. It's broken. It's been broken by the people of Israel and things need to change, need to do something different. So that leads us to verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel Israel, after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. God will write this new covenant on the people's hearts. And the knowing that is talked about in this passage, that they will know their God, isn't just a cognitive type, oh, I know that he's my God. I know God is my God. I know God created the world or I know that two plus two equals four. That's, that's pretty easy just to know and to say. But the knowing that it is talking about here in Jeremiah is a personal relationship. That by knowing God, we're gonna know, have a personal relationship, a personal, personal, intimate relationship with God. Each person will personally know God and they will personally be able to go to God to worship him. And God will write his covenant on our hearts. And this new covenant is one that's not going to be about man keeping up their end of the deal. This new covenant, God is uh, erasing the need for man to do anything. Because when, when God made the covenant with Abraham and with the nation of Israel, 
God was always faithful. God always kept up his side of the covenant. But Israel again and again rejected God and turned away from him. If when we read through the Bible this year, you're going to read through the book of Judges. And terrible things happened throughout the book of Judges. And at the end of the book of Judges, it says, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's what life is without God. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Have no moral compass. We're not following God. And we will, and man, when it's up to man to follow God, we will continually turn away from God again and again and again. The Old Testament, the Old Testament, you see this process where the nation of Israel will turn away from God again and again and again. But God will always remain faithful. Hebrews 8, 8 through 13, I think it's good. So pay close attention because you may see some words that we've already read through. And this is in Hebrews 8. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his own neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So Hebrews 8, if you didn't notice, it quoted straight from Jeremiah. Straight from Jeremiah 31, uh, the passage we're in today. And at the end, the author of Hebrews says, "In, In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So Jeremiah is talking about the coming of Christ and how Christ's coming, his life, death, and resurrection will make the old covenant obsolete, where it doesn't matter. Removing it and is replacing it with a new covenant, one that will be written on our hearts. Okay, and I want to jump back, and this is in Jeremiah we see, but... It says that God will remember their sins no more. That with this new covenant that will, that will be written on our hearts, God will remember our sins no more. And that is only because of the blood of Christ. Through his blood, paying the price for our sins makes it so God can forgive our sins. Where he will not remember our sins anymore. In John 1.14, I know this seems like years ago when uh, we preached through this as a church, but it talked about how uh, the word became flesh. And Jesus came and he dwelt among us. He lived with the people. He lived a human life. He was man. He knows the people. He knows the people that he came to save. 
And God will forgive all sins of those that come to know him, that he calls into a relationship with him. And this new covenant isn't just for the Jewish people. It's not just for the rich. It's not just for the poor. It's not just for the middle class. But the new covenant's available to all people. Everyone, anyone can come and accept this free gift of salvation from God through the new covenant. And then Jeremiah, and as we, as I continue to come up, and you'll see as you read through it, has a lot of confusing parts. And verses 35 through 37 doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's God just reaffirming through Hebrew poetry, which is confusing and daunting, but we'll try and learn it together as we uh, continue walking through this. But verse 35 says, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night? Who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar? The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, Then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Okay, so those those verses are confusing. Okay, but I just want to bring some light and I... uh, Need, need to ask a couple questions. Okay, do we have any, I know we have some kids in here, but do we have anyone who's around the age of 10? Okay, we have, I'm seeing one, one 10-ish year old. What about 20? Probably have a couple more. Who's around the age of 20? Okay, that's good, that's good. What about 40? Okay, and then do we have a couple 80-ish year olds? Okay, okay, I see, I see a couple. So if you're 10 years old, okay, you can give you can testify that there has been 3,650 sunrises. Okay, I know we don't always witness the sunrise because that often requires us to wake up early and then to go outside and see the sun rising, but we know we at some point wake up and we know the sun has risen. If we're 20 years old, that means that you can give a testament to there being 7,300 sunrises. And if you're 40 years old, that means you can give testament to 14,600 sunrises. And if you're 80 years old, that means you can give testament to 29,200 sunrises. The promise of God sending a new covenant, one that he will forgive us of all of our sins and that uh, isn't available just to the nation of Israel, but all people is as sure as the sun rising tomorrow. So let me ask all of you this, okay? Tomorrow morning, is the sun going to rise? Yeah, the sun's gonna rise. We know that. And we know that God has already sent his son. He's already sent his son to die on the cross, to resurrect from the dead and uh, to save us and to create this new covenant for us. So these verses, the last three verses shows and highlights to us how certain God's promises to his people and to us, all his people, all those that come to know Christ are his people. So that's how certain we can be of his promises that we share in a new life with Christ. And now 
I'm sure all of you are wondering, okay, this is good. I feel like I've learned a decent amount, but where does this lead us? What does this mean for my life? And I want us to look again at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I just want to highlight the last couple words. For he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. When we read through the Bible this year, you'll see that God is faithful to the people of Israel again and again and again when they turn away from God again and again and again. The Old Covenant is a testament to God's faithfulness. In the New Covenant is God reaffirming his faithfulness and making a way not just for the people of Israel, but all people to come into a relationship with him. And the best thing about the new covenant, well, maybe not the best thing about the new covenant, but it doesn't rest on the actions of men. It's not about how good of a person Hal can be. Because if it was, I, I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it in. I would fail. I would falter. But the new covenant is solely based on the work of Christ. His saving work, his life, death, and resurrection is all so that we might have a relationship with God. And he calls us into a relationship with him. He draws us near to him. So the new covenant isn't resting on us, but it's resting on God. The new covenant is rooted in Christ. And in a world where we are surrounded by death and destruction, we have hope. Not a hope uh, in the coming Messiah because the Messiah has already come. And Jesus' death on the cross has already paid for our sins. We have hope that we share in the resurrection with Jesus and that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. So when I ask you, what is your hope in life and death? What's your answer? Is our answer that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our living water that comes through the death and destruction that sin leaves behind. Jesus is the new life that we have in him. And if you're already saved and already a believer, praise God, we can rejoice in this. We can celebrate. We're about to sing uh, praises in a moment or two more. And I want us to sing like we mean it, like Jesus truly is our hope. And if you're not a believer, why not? What's holding you back? You don't have, if you don't have the hope of Jesus, you don't have any hope. Would you please bow your heads and pray with me?
Dear Lord, thanks so much for your word. Pray just for all of our hearts that you will continually uh, draw us closer to you. And if you're an unbeliever, I pray that. And if the Lord's calling on you, all you need to do is reach out to him and pray that and accept him into your heart. Christ is our hope in life and death. Lord, I pray that you will help us all to put that on our hearts and put your word and your love into our minds each and every day. As we prepare for this new year, I pray that you will help us seek you first every day, Lord Jesus. And in your name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentry Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit BentreeChurch.com.